obviously hospitality that's one that's encouraged across the board all them women need to be good at helping others how else are we gonna have a fucking potluck mom friends. I'm Lindsay and my spiritual gifts are administration, discernment, and leadership. And I'm Meg and my spiritual gifts are faith, service, and discernment. I'm Sarai and I'm very spiritually gifted in hospitality, apostleship, and discernment. (gasps) Wow, what a fun common thread we all have. What a discerning group of babes. We are so babe discerning. It's wild. I just have to say that I can't help but believe that maybe our discernment gift was one of the things that pushed us away from the spiritually unhealthy evangelical environments that we, we grew up in. We discerned our way right out of that shit. We sure did. Guess what, everybody? We're talking about spiritual gifts. And I am curious to hear from both of you what your experience was as a younger person, whether you were a kid, a teenager, a grown up. What was your experience with spiritual gifts and the teachings on spiritual gifts? Did you do an inventory when you were a kid? Like, what did that mean for you? What was it like? Oh man. Okay. Spiritual gifts were a gift from God. They were divinely ordained. It was not something that you had a choice over, but there were a lot of not just tests, not like quizzes, but I think there were a lot of conversations about spiritual gifts. And I think in particular, I remember in Sunday school, the idea of spiritual gifts being something that was like, you will grow into this as you grow into service of the church. And really everything was thought about in that, like service to the community or to the church, which I think is kind of clear in the definition that we saw of all of our different spiritual gifts. I think when I was a teenager, it was more described to me as something that you were kind of maturing into, that your spiritual gifts really weren't anything that you could do much with until you were an adult. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder why God would bifurcate your gifting from your childhood and then all of a sudden you're 18 and he's like, go get hospitable, Sarai. I don't think that we really gave kids a lot of space. Hmm. We were pretty shunned. You know, it was like, bye. Did you guys have children's church? Yeah. Yeah. It it just wasn't. Yeah. It was like when you're older, these things, you know, you'll start serving in the church or start participating in these ways or after you hit spiritual puberty, it's going to be a wonderful experience. And that's when you'll really become a woman and you'll spiritually Mm. menstruate by (laughs) exercising your spiritual gifts. (laughs) Yeah, that was totally the combo. Yeah, everyone. I wish that they did say it that way because I don't know. I feel like I should go join a church and teach Sunday school right now. Should I? No, I probably shouldn't. That feels (laughs) like like a way to get canceled. I think it would be super fun. Okay, so that's funny because in my family, it was a big deal from a very young age. Each of my sisters, we were all like kind of put into a bucket pretty early on. And maybe it wasn't your full-blown spiritual gift, but it was like, yeah, how you heard God. And maybe some of that was being homeschooled. We had Bible time every single morning. We pray. We did this thing called discipline of silence where we didn't have to... We'd have to go and be quiet for 10 minutes and then come back and like report what God had said to us. She just needed a smoke break. (laughs) My mother did not smoke. (laughs) It's just called a break. Right. (laughs) 
But oh. like, you know, what, so did you have visions? Did you hear from God? Did you have visions? No, I made them up. <gasps> oh, yes. You had daydreams. I bet you had daydreams. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that sometimes I would have like a feeling about something, mm. but I never had, but my sisters would. And I was always like, it's funny, actually, now as an adult with my therapist, I have had to tell her when she wants me to like be quiet and listen to my parts, my inner self. And then like, she would ask me sometimes to report back to her what I was feeling. And I was like, eh, this is too triggering. I can't do it. Yeah. Like I can't because like God never appeared to me in that way. Anyways, all that to say, I felt like having your spiritual gift figured out earlier was a big deal. Well, I think it was for me, it was like training wheels. It was kind of like you're working into your spiritual gifts, right. but you didn't arrive into them. Oh gosh. I was told I was a freaking leader from the second I was. Well, we all know that. Right. But I mean, it was expected. Like you're going to go yeah. lead things and pull this child syndrome. Oh God, but yes. also I was thinking not to interrupt you or to take credit. I was not a PK. I wanted to be a PK. Mm. So I like tried to ingratiate myself into our P family. <laughs> The PF. <laughs> I wanted to be a PK or like marry. Oh, it was, it was definitely sure. not cool. Just oh, no. you know, I know now. that now. The, the uh, pressures yeah. and the fights I would get into with my mom about yes. the, you know like whatever. But we multiple heard about ear your short skirts. Yeah, yeah. You oh, yeah. that. Yeah. Did you hear about my, my hair? Brown hair because I it know, did you make me look so hair. slutty. But I was adjacent enough. I was like in the royal court of church. My mom was on the worship team and my dad did sound. So we were always there. Yeah. So when the king would hold court as a pastor, I would be there, you know, gesturing my way through an offering or through being on the worship team at 10 years old. So, yes, it is an interesting thing to have that tag on you as a kid. And to feel, I didn't feel like it was pressure. I felt like it was almost like permission to be as big as I thought I was. Because you were told to be a leader. So it was like, get in that position and hold it for your life. Well, and the fact that you had figured out that gift at a young age, it was kind of like people would shower praise upon you because, oh, Lindsay, she's so good at this. And I'm discerning. Discernment, now that I have administration, like that wasn't something I was aspiring to when I was... 12. So that that's a new one to me. At 12, you're like, I love paperwork. <laughs> I did like paperwork when I was 12. I did too. Can I just sidebar? My grandma used to work for a medical place that had these carbon copy forms. Mm-hmm. And she gave me this giant box and I would set up my desk like you would come in and I had a typewriter and a rotary phone. But the best part was these carbon copy forms that I would fill out. Mm-hmm. They're so satisfying. So you're like, hey, good. Maggie, will you fill this out in triplicate? Mm-hmm. And you're like, no. And I would file you it. You lick the tip of your pencil and just... Mm. Beep, 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 beep. You had to do them in pen. It was carbon so copy. You, had you were licking really hard. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Lindsay. I don't even remember where we're at. We're <laughs> at spiritual... I mean, just clear the pressure for Meg to have a spiritual gift. And it's funny because as I got a little older, we got into more charismatic circles. And I know I've told the story before about not wanting the gift of tongues or not yeah. opting into that. Like, I think a lot of people thought I was weird for that. But I was like, I got my gifts. Yeah, why didn't you Because want I felt it? like I had my spiritual gifts. I, I think that's good. bad. Really? I was like, yeah. That was like a frankly, extra- these tongues weirded me out. Oh, same. It was, you know, yeah. it was like my whole identity. We were on the boring side of evangelicalism. I think it's really a valuable thing for us mm. to remind the world of. I had a lot of, I think, really charismatic 
things that I didn't realize were not normal things that you do. So can we talk about the gift of tongues? Yes. I want to get into this. Meg, Meg. tell us everything about it. Even though we know it's not your current spiritual gift, or maybe it is, I don't know. It didn't show up on your top five. It was not in my top five. But if maybe it's number six or 10 or whatever. I think administration and craftsmanship pulled up into my four and my five because that's probably the me now that is influencing this test. When I was young, I would talk in my own language is what I thought to God. And I knew what I was saying. Like I knew in my heart what Mm -hmm. the words meant or whatever, but I didn't do it really out loud to anyone. And then I just thought when I got older, you know, like middle school age, I thought that I had just made it up. I'm like nervous. I haven't said any of these words for a really long time, but they were my words. They weren't words that I heard other people say. It wasn't a mimicking that I was doing. It really, truly was a way for me to express myself. Yeah, it just came from within you. Yeah. I love that. When I was in middle school, our youth group was doing a series on spiritual gifts. During one of the sessions, they invited people up who wanted to receive the gift of tongues. And this was like a very coveted spiritual gift in my church. This that makes was sense. like definitely something you wanted. You were like trying to go after, praying fervently for it. So I just remember there was a lot of laying on of hands and people speaking in these other languages, the room filling with this cacophony of unintelligible sound. Was anyone there to interpret it? No, because... Here's the thing. You, if you're speaking to God in your prayer language, it's just between you and God and he knows your heart and he's like, obviously can interpret it. You're interpreting it by like the vibe of Mm. your feelings and spirits and all of this. How did you feel? What was your vibe? Mine was very peaceful. I remember Uh feeling super tunnel vision. Like I couldn't hear, there was like environmental sound, but there wasn't anything I could pick out word wise or anything like that. So I felt like just in this kind of holy space, if you and will. And you, you knew what you were communicating to God. When I would speak in tongues, I always had this internal monologue of my English prayer. Hmm. You know, like I understood what it was that I was, my prayer language was not to ask for things. My prayer language for me was always in thankfulness or praise or gratitude. It was like my way of singing my own worship song. It was just lyrical. It kind of had this high flighty, almost ethereal sense to it. It didn't have harsh sounds. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't have a lot of or d or j, you know, it was a lot of really light and airy things. French. Yeah. And I just felt, I mean, I was really shy about it, but when I would start to pray for somebody, which I did a lot, I spent a lot of time helping other people. I really felt like one of my callings was to just be a support person. Well, I mean, what gift does that fall under of yours? Is it discernment? Mm. Soyvis. Right? No, service, is that one of yours? Service? Yeah. yeah. Helping others. I don't know. Probably did you faith? have a burden for the people that were hurting? And <laughs> I think I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I want to back up really quickly. Yeah. Just because I feel like we maybe for those who are listening to the podcast that did not grow up in the church and did not grow up with spiritual gifts, specifically the gift of tongues, just to make sure that people know what we are actually talking about, is the ability to speak in other languages, whether it be real or not imagined, but 
spiritual. Do you know, were there ever people that were speaking in tongues that were just like speaking German? Was that a thing? So, okay. I don't know if this was, you know, again, one of these old, not an old wives tale, but like a urban legend. Yes. Yeah. Urban legend about tongues. Yeah. I think there were these urban legends when I was a kid because my whole desire as a young person was I was going to go to China I was going to smuggle Bibles in. Oh, yeah. Oh, you sweet, precious soul. You're so cute. And I was going to probably be martyred for the Lord. I Mm -hmm. was just kind of like... A vision that I had at some point where yeah, I thought yeah. I'm going to go and do this. Thing. Totally you normal. BT dubs. the apostle <laughs> gift too. Another fun thing about evangelicalism is that we were all raised to think we are going to be killed for the Lord. Yes. That was really we'll do that in another, the martyr complex. We That's going to be a whole definitely talk about yeah. our martyr complex yeah. slash yep. the predestination to be martyred for the Lord by the time you're 25. It's a fun time. So Exciting and also felt so fervent. Like it, w- it wasn't like I'm gonna go get killed for the Lord. It was like I'm gonna go do dangerous shit in a place that I probably shouldn't, and the consequences of that could be lifetime imprisonment, torture, or death. And that's okay. Sign me up. Where do I? We're all going. We've signed in blood. Yeah. We're yes. ready for more being yeah. washed in our own blood. Yeah. But it is, it's funny to me because I feel like this is such a trope almost among all of the evangelicals that I knew. But it did feel like I can't see my life past a certain time mm-hmm. because I need to make sure that I am on this path. But one of the questions in the spiritual gifts inventory that we just did was, I feel like God always has my back. Mm -hmm. And the the thought that came to my mind was, oh, that means you go do dangerous shit (laughs) and you pretend like, yeah, it's fine. Like God wants me to. Spiritual hedge of group. It was like, God got this. Yes. I feel like we had this sense of earnest wanting to serve and wanting to share our faith. And, you know, I didn't think I was an evangelical at all. I didn't know that word. I had not heard that word. I just wanted to share the love of God and everything that was in my life. And one of the things that I was hopeful for when I was praying for my spiritual gift of tongues was I really wanted to speak Chinese. Oh. And I really thought because I heard these urban legends of people just being able just to magically speaking Spanish or speaking German or, mm-hmm. you know, and that they would meet somebody and the Lord would minister through them and that they would just start speaking and go, oh, man, you're so wonderfully fluent in Italian. How long have you been speaking? And it's like, I've never spoken a day in my life. Those are my favorite Yeah, I've heard those stories. Well, I didn't get you didn't get that gift. You just had your just non-harsh. You just had to learn internal whatever language. dialect of Chinese all by yourself on your it's own. A bummer. Yeah, I didn't. didn't even have Duolingo as a kid. <laughs> Thanks for sponsoring this episode of our <laughs> podcast, Duolingo. My mom had the gift of tongues. I think she's the only person in my family that had it. And it was interesting because we were strictly non-denominational evangelicals. But we skewed towards more conservative. We also just lived in conservative towns. We lived in Wyoming. We lived in Alaska and and places like that. And I remember, because my dad's a pastor, there were actually, I think, churches where we were at where it was like, she's not going to tell anyone. Like, it couldn't yeah. be known. Like it was, like, so divisive. So, again, silent. I think if you didn't grow up in evangelicalism, for some reason, that gift was the divisive one. Healing, probably, as well. True. Like, the things that were maybe more miraculous. Like, obviously, hospitality 
sexuality, that's when that's encouraged across the board. All them women need to be good at helping others. How else are we going to have a fucking potluck? How else? We're not. That is our only potluck hope. At least 50% of the church to have that gift. At least. 100%. At least. Women. (laughs) Specifically. Yes. Specifically. I look back and I'm like, I wish I would have understood more what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's so interesting hearing your experience. When I would go and pray for somebody, I would have a certain feeling that would come over me where I would almost in my brain be like, oh, it's going to come out. Hmm. And did you fight against that? You didn't want it to come out? I was shy. I didn't, I didn't want to have a spotlight on me. And so if I was praying for somebody, which is something I would do often, I would, I wasn't hurting and didn't need that kind of altar call, you know, support, then I would want to always go down and support somebody else, Hmm. especially at youth group, because it was like, I knew everybody. I was like, oh my gosh, this person, that person. So I would go down and I was encouraged to use my gift, but I always felt like it was only for really specific things and really specific times. And I didn't have a doctrine around it. I didn't have like good thinking with your gut. Yeah. I just went with this feels exploitative or Mm. this feels like showy. I really did keep it as a private personal thing. And sometimes I would speak in tongues under my breath when I was praying for somebody, but if I felt led by the spirit and it would feel empowering, it would feel almost like channeling Hmm. this power through me into the other person. And, you know, we've talked about altar calls in the past and that spiritual connection that you make There's with another person. There's a lot person. of emotion yeah. in that moment. I'm so curious. So, so many questions. <laughs> I'll try to keep it to a couple because this is a podcast about spiritual gifts, not just tongues. <laughs> but man, it is it is such an interesting one because I feel like as a person who never had that, it's hard for me to wrap my brain around. So one, do you feel like if you, for some reason, stumble back into that world or got really into prayer again or whatever, could it come yeah, back? I do you think you could it. do it again? I can feel it. Okay. And then what do you think it is? Yeah. Like, do you have a way to explain it? I kind And if you of don't, do. that's fine. <laughs> like, I kind of do. I think I rationalized it through my church worldview in a way that was just all happy and positive and was like very holy. Um, but I think one of you brought this up earlier was, was there an interpretation? So that's where I was super, super cautious personally, that I never would just outwardly speak in tongues. I mean, people in the service would, you know, you'd be doing worship and it's like the slow piano is playing. And then somebody would out loud say something in tongues. And then there was this heaviness in the air while you waited for the interpretation. Mm. And that tension between Were there times when the interpretation didn't come? Yeah. And were there times when the interpretation was wrong? I mean, wrong. What is wrong? Usually what if if someone was like, that's uh, not what I felt in my spirit or something? uh, Usually it was like, God wants us to go in the world upon you and, you know, go and bring your light into the, and everyone's like, oh my gosh, amazing. A lot of times I feel like it, it kind of followed the trajectory of the worship service. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of the same words and vernacular were being Mm. used. I don't think that it was difficult to Christian ease a phrase out. You know, we kind Mm -hmm. of all know what that's like. What I found really interesting is that I think the English interpretation would be something that kind of followed the same cadence or the same feeling mm. that came out. And so was, somebody was, was powerful. Right. Or if there was right. damnation. Yep. The, yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. 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 So yeah. a lot of that, I 
never had anyone else interpret what I was saying because I never vocalized it in a way that was like, this is for all of you to now somebody has to interpret me. I would have absolutely never done that. Even if I felt it or heard it, I would just be like, no, Lord, not me. Like I did a lot of that. I was prophesied over a lot that I was going to have this voice that was going to turn the nations and blah. I hope Um, that's true. Yeah. (laughs) Now that you like are working to change your neighborhood and like you're politically active. Subscribe and review this podcast. We are going to change the world. Voice. Me and Lindsay are here to be bossy and Meg is here to be like powerful. I was prophesied about, you know, so. I feel like it's a, it's definitely going right. to happen. Oh, of she's only, the only one that the Lord gave the gift of tongues to. So clearly she's yeah. better than we are. Yeah. Well, I'm an mm. apostle. So, I mean, I mean, I'm that's like, kind of the best gift. I don't want to be rude, but I'm right up there with Paul, my mortal enemy. And I know. Now, How do you feel about that? He's my direct rival is what I'm feeling. That's so, what I thought. I was like, yeah. I feel like Sarai and Paul were going to go on a head to head bout. Yep. Like mm-hmm. what, what are we're you going to bring out? I'm going to bring to that. And then I'm going to use my gift of exhortation to strengthen you in your battle. And can you please use your gift of tongues to intercede for me in my jousting quest against the Apostle Paul? Yeah, that's happening for sure. God, I can see it. All right, it's settled. We know how to use our gifts. We got it. over. Okay, (laughs) thanks, you guys. This was so illuminating. (laughs) What do we do with these, though? Like, what do we do now? Yes, okay. A woman prophesies over me when I'm, I don't know, 14 or 15, right? Calls me out of this huge tent revival situation. Mm. I think I might have it on tape somewhere. I'm going to have to check the attic. I love it when people have a prophecy on tape. It's my yeah, yeah, I got none of those. I only mm. remember one prophecy and it was not taped and it was at oh, the time. Tears. Yeah. Doubting Thomas. <laughs> that is a good one. That is cool. I don't think anyone prophesied over me. They were just like, you're so talented. You should be a rock star. Uh, you were constantly Jesus. being prophesied over. And what I was are like, you talking yeah, about? Girl. <laughs> Wait, really? Yes, that is what oh. prophecy is. Oh, I didn't no, understand. But like in the it. sense of like someone is like, I have a prophecy. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, it was the only hard people kind of says of like, oh, God wants me to tell you this or whatever. Yes. Also, like, do you ever just stop and listen to us and be like, this is the cultiest shit I have I ever. Know. Like, yes. what we're talking about, especially the gift of time. Yeah, for anyone who didn't grow up in the evangelical church, this shit is weird. It's like when I listen to episodes of me telling a story from my childhood, which I'm like, oh, this is a fun little story I'm going to tell. And then I listen back as a listener and I go, what the fuck? This is some messed up shit. What things that we were exposed to as children are so nightmare inducing and traumatizing. These are things that are like, what was that? What right. was that in well, me? Like was I hearing voices? Right. Like was the gift I of crazy? Tongues, is it traumatizing? Or is it also, it's just like, it's a thing that we all experience. We can talk about in depth that most of the world has no idea what yeah. it is. And it was such a huge part of who we were, or maybe who we didn't want to be. The time that we spent thinking about these things, all of the gifts, but like I said, tongues in particular was such a divisive one, mm. at least in my life, because it was such yeah. a big deal. My mom had to hide it. And I remember there was some weird shame around it. And mm. like, what is it? Like, cause I feel like she didn't necessarily want it. Mm. It was like not a thing she pursued. It just sort of, happened and, and she's so, like why me god why me i guess but I also know. so interesting i remember moving you know from a, one church to another or something and that was a question that came up it was mm-hmm. like do we believe in speaking in tongues now that we're at a new church i yeah. don't know we better check the mission statement 
<laughs> right. And well, why, why did it become such a big thing? Like, why was it such a yeah? Be was it because out? of the not interpreting? I know well, that there's some doctrine. I, yeah, I also think it gets into the realm of demons again, and like satanic panic. But right. also right. Jesus and the day of Pentecost, like that is biblical, right? I mean, I think people in the conservative side of evangelicalism, conservative worship wise, mm-hmm. let's be clear, because I'm pretty sure all yeah, of it it's the was same conservative. People who didn't believe you could use electric guitar Literally. in worship. Like right. we also went to churches or like any, that. Any, any music or in- instrument. Yes. I went to some churches where Wait, acoustic why? guitar, like anything mic'd, like organ and piano were always okay. Anything mic'd? I don't know. People... Christians There's are weird. We made up rules for so everything. We need things to be very specific because that is what the religion is. Is like, oh, yeah. you need to be this way. Why are there so many denominations, all of which are evangelical? Well, there's post-millennialists. I remember going to McPherson, Kansas, which is where my college was. There's like a billion churches in this <laughs> tiny town. There's, I mean, I'm not kidding if I say there's one on basically every block. It is weird because this town that we live in does not have that. Like, it's just, you know, we have a lot of churches, but they're not every, everywhere. everywhere. Yep. And this town was like 13,000 people, maybe on right. a good day. Well, yeah. Some of them are going to have dancing. Day. Some of them aren't. Some yeah. of them are going to sprinkle baptisms. Some of them are going to yeah. dunk. So, like, the things that people like. Dunk tank baptisms is part of my religion. I got baptized in a hot tub when I was seven. <gasps> a hot tub? Were, were there bubbles? Because that sounds fun. I don't on. think the jets were jets on. Are on. No, okay. um, yeah, not that's a during crazy the, experience. It's yeah. much better than the cold baptismal at the church. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I went to churches baptismal. that were like in schools and were, mm-hmm. you know, like the kind where you have Scrappy. to You got to have the people with the gift of uh, your parents. Yeah. The dollar. The, the, ser- the gifts of service to bring in the chairs because yes. it wasn't actually your building. Yeah. So like the churches I went to didn't have baptismals. We had to get baptized in, pe- in our friend's hot tub. Mm-hmm. I love this. <laughs> I want to also mention the Bible Answer Man. Did any of you listen to Christian radio enough to encounter Hank Kennegraff, the Bible Answer a Man? A little, yeah. I feel like, no, I don't know. I feel like this is a fun. Unfortunately. This is a fun little Yeah, yeah we were going to rush people. And then Christian Ooh. music. Yeah. But like whatever the Christian music. My mom was like. It's always K-Love. I'm going to listen to K-Love all day, every day. And no, it was K-O-R-E. It was a local station. I used to call them all the time and be like, quote, the ninth caller and win some little McGee and me prize. Or <gasps> I think that's how we got our McGee and me VHSs. Yeah, you did. Yeah, for sure. But his whole take was very much on right doctrine and was very, what's the word? Legalistic, mm-hmm. if you will, about tongues. And that's what my mom listened to also after, you know, Rush and Lori Ingram and everybody else was off. I mean, was she even then? I don't know. It was a lot of that kind of, this is how you need to think. Did you guys ever listen to Bob Larson? I don't think so. Oh I, don't, I don't know the names. Of, I know we had oh. Christian stuff going all the time, but I don't know people's names. Like, I need tell me about somebody him. to send me a Bob Larson authored book that you didn't pay money for. I need it. I need somebody to send it to me. And or I'll go look for it at a St. Denny's because these look it's vaguely familiar. Yeah. Yeah. He had a radio show that was also very focused on demons stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He had a book dealing with demons. Yeah. Jezebel. Yeah. Defeating your number one spiritual enemy. Yes. Wait, who is it? Lars- Me. <laughs> yeah. Bob Larson in the name of Satan. Yes. Oh. Yeah. He impressive. was like peak satanic panic 
Christian. Yeah, wow. Interestingness. He had somebody call and be like, I'm possessed with the devil and I eat raw meat. I'm making this person's body eat raw meat. And it was so weird. It was, I mean, it was like on one the of, show, just oh, like and on we the just casually listen to this. <laughs> this is like the Halloween episode, the stuff that I wasn't allowed to watch oh. the Smurfs. Yes. Right? You know, too much yes. uh, the gummy bears yeah. because we bears. Oh, they're magic. Because potions. potions. They bounce on but you can listen to somebody call in talking about how they're possessed, possessed by a demon and eating Rami. While I'm cooking cool. dinner, my mom's like, can you imagine? And I'm just like, no. <laughs> no, for reals, though. You're like, I'm a vegetarian. This is what we listened to yeah. all day. Like, the soundtrack of my life was this, this is the right way, and also I'm insane, and there's demons everywhere. Anyway, I just... I'm definitely in a rabbit hole right now of all of the weird things, yeah. but I feel like tongues was really divisive because it was too supernatural mm. for some evangelicals yep. Yep. and certainly the ones who are against slaying in the spirit and thinking that was all whatever. But I do think it's interesting to me the way that you describe the feeling and the flow of it. It's almost like self-hypnosis mm-hmm. where you can learn how to progressively relax your body. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have different cues that help you to just naturally get into that kind of a state. And I wonder how much of any of these gifts that we had or that we felt like we could claim were also like the one little shred of, I don't want to say dignity, self or like self freedom connection. Mm-hmm. It it just feels like we had to always be doing something in some way, even if our gift was just, I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to pray. I'm a prayer warrior behind the scenes. It was always based on some kind of performance. Yeah. Mm. And you had to have one and you had to be leaning into it. Yeah. There was no sitting on your laurels, just chilling, being a, you know, cause then you're like a backseat Christian or whatever the <laughs> yes. hell they'd call you. I feel yeah. like that's a real term, right? I'm sure there's a million Probably. different ways, but like you couldn't be the person or at least none of us felt like we could, you know, you couldn't just show up on some Sundays. You had to be there every Sunday and then you had to be in youth group and mm-hmm. then like any Bible studies, the but expectations you also couldn't earn your salvation. So oh, you couldn't oh be trying so hard. It was kind of like effortless, cool Christianity. You earn your salvation, but they also just really wanted you to earn your salvation. So I am curious, while we have slogged through these spiritual gifts, there are some pieces of this that I feel like, oh, these are really helpful for me to look back on and see what they are for me now. What are the strengths that I've always had? And what are the ways that I've been able to hone those things toward becoming the person I am right now? And also, even in some ways, how did those spiritual gifts, quote unquote, or just let's just call them gifts, how did that lead you to where you are now? How would you look at these, even though we took the weirdest inventory and had to, you know, talk about burden and being angry at willful sin? in an era where we're not in that vibe <laughs> this time, but what do you see about these things now? What do they tell you about yourself as a person, as a woman, as a grown up who's not an evangelical anymore? It's weird. I look at this list, administration, discernment, leadership, exhortation, and hospitality. And I think most of those things are pretty true about me and who I am. They obviously just take a different bent. And, you know, talking about the one prophecy I've ever received, which said I was a doubting Thomas, like to me, 
I've always thought like my doubt is kind of what saved me. And I believe that that is discernment and the gift of discernment to be able to see through the bullshit and take some of the good. And obviously like I somehow still attend church and it is not perfect. And sometimes it drives me crazy, but like, it's the opposite of the church I grew up in. You know, I've been able to see the parts that I like and see the parts that ring true to me and give me life and healing. I've had such a complicated relationship with the spiritual gift of leadership because my whole life I've been told I'm a leader and that I should be in charge of things. And, you know, my family, my very conservative patriarchal grandpa told me I could be president. But it's so weird when you feel that. But then you're raised in a church who tells you that you can't actually be in charge. You could be in charge of women's ministry or children's <laughs> or ministry. That's why I was always on like worship beard. teams or what have you. Like I led in any capacity that I could allowed, and that I was allowed. Yeah. And so that's why when I went to college, I just took off rent. I was like, I'm going to be in charge of whatever I can. And, and you know, I took that. Maybe that's why I'm like senior warden at my church. Like the fact that I'm a woman that I go to a church that is literally rent by women and queer people. Our priest is a woman. And it just, it's refreshing. And maybe that's my big fuck you to evangelicalism and the way I was raised. I'm proud to be a leader. And sometimes I'm like, I don't know that I have time or energy to do this, but it is sort of like a showing the the child that I was. I was always told like you're a leader, but you could only kind of lead in some ways. And I think I've mentioned, you know, the church that I left, the, the last evangelical church that I went to, women could be pastors there, but they could not be elders Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. elders are the ones who make the financial decisions. So now I make financial decisions for my church and I get to decide where our money goes. And I know it's like kind of crazy, like a different world. You have a vagina. I know (laughs) I have a vagina and I, everyone knows that's decisions for a journey vortex. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. When I'm on my period, I just get a little hysterical and just start, you know, throwing money at chocolate right yes. that's what we do chocolate chocolate <laughs> yeah. oh shoot sorry church I spent all of our money on donuts it's that time of the month <laughs> you know me <laughs> uh, Meg how do your gifts hold up yeah I feel like I have faith which I always just believe in everyone and mustard seed like you have the faith of a mustard seed I just do but yeah faith service discernment administration and craftsmanship I find it strangely current, these gifts. I don't think that these are maybe the same gifts that I would have gotten as a young, young Meg. But the way that they're taking these talents and honing them and twisting them into what church wants them to be is the part that I'm so glad that I'm away from Mm -hmm. because I'm able to not just see myself through this lens where I have some skills and things I can be proud of. I think for me, the struggle I have is in, is this innate in me or is this a thing that was honed in me? And I don't know. That's something I think I'm always nature versus nurture. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. How do you tell? What if it's and both? I mean, honestly, I can see my kids and say, oh, child number one, you have these kinds of gifts. You're obviously very opinionated. You have ideas. You know how to make things better. You're 
very motivated to build things and create things. And and that's a part of him. He's always been that way. And I do nurture those things. You know, I'm like, yes, I will get you an iPad so you can draw your pictures on it. And so you can make stop motion videos. And so you can make videos with you know, it makes kid and the dark statue series mm, is so good. Epic. So, you know, those are things in him. And then I see my other kid and I'm like, he's really talented with music and he's really talented with empathy. He's very warm. He's very loving. He has the softest heart toward animals ever. I think those are all things that we're kind of born with to a great degree. But what is seen as valuable is nurtured. And what is seen as not valuable is usually packed away in some big shadowy duffel bag that we drag behind us our whole lives until we're able to face it again. Well, we see what people praise and what's valued in Mm -hmm. the society and those things that we innately have and are born with, we just build upon that, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't think I was born a natural leader or maybe somewhat, you know? Like, I think that there's firstborn girl vibes for sure. I've got firstborn boy vibes in my house. Wow, I can't talk. I have firstborn boy. Wow, that is hard for That's me to say. One. Anyway, my kid's a boy and he's she sells seashells. Again, bossy. But yeah, go on. So I think as an adult, I've just kind of taken my natural innate abilities. And then now that I've like refound my own intuition and my own self-confidence, I'm kind of, I guess, taking those things that are in me from my parents or from my environment or from my great, 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 great ancestries and going, okay, all of these things combined make me me. So what can I be to the world around me? What can I use these things for to better my community and better my family and better my world around me? Because what else is the point? I think there was this selfishness in the church of holding all of these gifts in the four walls of the church. Mm -hmm. And And the only one that we would do outwardly would be the evangelism Mm -hmm. portion of that. And to hold all of these gifts and all of these people almost hostage, setting out the chairs every week is not changing the fucking world. So if we can get out of that constraint that I feel like the church put on my gifts and I can just break from it, I do feel like we can have a better impact on the world around us. And we don't need a church to do it, but I would love for churches to do it. I think, Lindsay, your church is a beautiful example of taking your gifts and channeling them out to the community. It's not just about what we do for ourselves in the building, but it truly is that service in action, but also in a way that isn't just about more souls in the seats and more dollars in the bin. I love that. Yeah, true that. Yeah, I absolutely get that. And I have to say that my junior year in college, when I was engaged for the second time to fiance to on one of the rare occasions that he didn't call in sick to our, you know, mutual jobs at Applebee's, he was driving us to work. We were in our cute little stinky Applebee's clothes. And he was like, I can't wait until I graduate and can finally work in a church. I am so sick of being around these people. (gasps) And I had that catch in my heart, in my gut. And I was like, I don't want to work in a church ever. And I didn't know that because I all of a sudden was like, 
oh, I love the people we're working with at Applebee's. <laughs> I've not really been in a place where I have ongoing good friends who aren't Christian. And it was fascinating to me to get to know these people, to care about them, to understand their lives. We would have these big philosophical conversations. We would email each other about God. And I remember feeling so alive being in a space where I could be with people who maybe I wasn't like, I remember the cooks would always say, oh my fucking God. And I'd be like, God doesn't do that. You know, <laughs> like it was really cute. cute. But I just remember being so hurt by that and thinking, ew, I don't want to work in the church for the people in the church. Like, what is the point? That's because I have apostleship as one of my kids. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, let's go and conquer the world for something <laughs> glorious. But I do, I do really resonate with that and think a lot about the fact that so much of this stuff is self-serving and church wise, let's edify and build up the church when really the point to me was always let's learn how to be more like Jesus. What did Jesus actually do? Well, it seems like he helped people. It seems like he hung out with the people we all would say are bad. You know, Applebee's staff, probably. <laughs> definitely, he definitely hung out with Applebee's staff. Of course he yeah, did. Yeah, he loved those cooks. He did. He's just kicking back, smoking J's. He's transforming cigarettes. He would cigarettes not care if they said, joints. oh my fucking God. He wouldn't care. He would laugh and laugh he and wouldn't just be like his dad. He wouldn't be like, that's the unforgivable sin. No, he he'd be like, that. that's hilarious. My dad, he does fuck. And so... <laughs> You know, How do you think I can look be? at me? Yeah, look at me. I'm hot. And you're like, I guess. Yeah. But I do see myself reflected back to me in some of these gifts. And they're not things that I've shunned. They are things that I am. And they are parts of my heart. I mean, apostleship in this case isn't about that. But I do still care about sharing the truth with people not that there's one specific universal truth, but I think there are so many truths that we all have access to that we don't always understand. And culture is always hiding them. And we're always chasing after shiny objects that may or may not really make us happy in the end. So I think that my favorite gift, and I keep saying it, is discernment. And I have always had that in all of my spiritual gift inventories I've ever had. And I love that we all had it. Me that's too. the one common thread. Yeah. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that's real. And I think leaning into that gift and recognizing that's not just supernatural, it's natural for us to have that radar. Mm -hmm. I know when I meet somebody or when I'm in a situation with somebody, whether that person is good for me to be around or not. I know when I'm safe in a situation mm -hmm. or not. You know the difference. Yeah. I don't go around living in fear or anything. I know when I should be on alert. I know when I should be paying attention. And I know when I'm encountering people who I need to not be with in my life. I see you, but you are not mine. That to me is a gift to free in ourselves more and more mm -hmm. and to help other people find their corners of how do they discern what discernment are they allowed to have. It's also a place for us to forge our own power and independence and trust in ourselves because I don't think that my intuition or if you will, discernment has really led me astray 
ever when I've listened to it, when I've been honest with it, when I haven't thought, oh, I must choose the worst thing because God wants me to suffer instead of doing what I know I don't want to do. I went and worked in a church as soon as I graduated because, oh, well, I guess since I said I don't want to, that's what God wants me to do. That's how I thought of it even though I had the discernment to know that would be terrible. And guess what? It was the fucking worst. It broke my brain and my spirit. And I moved home to live with my parents and I was 25. That was here in Eugene and I've never fucking left again. It's just amazing to me that these are things that we've always had at our fingertips that have always been within us that may or may not be from a God or Godness, but that are things that make us equipped to be uniquely of service and support and love in the world. And I love that. Yeah. I think it's, again, one of those things where we take from this, the good, we leave behind the bad. And I'm thankful that we have the gift of discernment that we like got out of some of this culty shit that we were raised in, because that's the thing. Every time I talk to you gals, because while we were raised the same, we were also raised really different. And I learned something new about you every time. And sometimes I'm like, it is buck wild what we went through but I also do like being a leader and I like being in charge and there's nothing wrong with that and I think that taking these things and looking at them through a different lens of who I am now and where I am at in life and how can I use these things for the greater good what's the rule like don't be don't be shitty was that what you're saying so yeah don't be shitty start with that be kind don't be shitty kind don't be shitty lean into your gifts like own who you are and what you're good at because we're not all good at the same things and that's what yeah. I love about you because Ryan and I would joke we're, we're very similar in some ways I'm actually surprised our gifts were not more overlapping because we are like type a bossy bitches wow. <laughs> poor Meg yeah I love you both for it yeah I mean Meg has her own administrative bossiness to her that that's true. The organizing force. I mean, we all bring something different to every table that we're at. And to this podcast, we all bring something different. And it's just like a beautiful magic mix of something. You know, there's a secret sauce in there somewhere. Witches brew. Put this mayonnaise in the sun. <laughs> With that. Oh, uh, it's a Simpsons quote. And this uh, has been. Holy ghost. No, 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 no. Take your faith, take your discernment, take your craftsmanship, take your administration. I don't know all the other ones. Take your leadership, take your Your exhortation, exhortation, whatever that means. Take all the shit that you've got in you and own it. And then rock it hard. We are. Holy ghosting. Ghosting is a same team media production. Music by Weep Bar. AP Weber produced the show. We'd like to give a special thanks to Meredith Hawley and Eris Conflict Resolution for consulting with us about our stories. If you have a story of abuse and you're worried about telling it publicly, they're available to help you tell your story in a way that keeps you safe. Find them at erisresolution.com. Thanks for joining us. And if you miss us in between shows, you can find us on socials posting almost every day at Holy Ghosting Pod, Instagram and TikTok.
Yeah.